Hey there, family and friends. Welcome to our second podcast, second episode of Crosswinds Unleashed. Um, It is a podcast where each week we're dedicated to bringing the best stories and biblical life principles from authentic believers. Our podcast breaks down the Christian life through interviews and personal instruction and hopefully in a fun and accessible way. Um, I'm Craig Cooper. I'm the lead pastor at Crosswinds Church as well as the host of the Unleashed podcast. Uh, I want to give a special shout out to Elijah Merrill, who is our producer, uh, who uh, I am responsible for the content. So if you don't like the content, that's all on me. Um, He's responsible to making sure that this podcast gets out to you. So thank you, Elijah, uh, for for being a part of this. I'm sitting here with with a, a fellow believer, pastor friend of mine, um, right here from Crosswinds, uh, Pastor Brian Solar. Brian, great to have you here. You're my first um, interviewee uh, and, and uh, as I said, the first guinea pig uh, of the podcast series. I, I don't really know how to take that. I should be honored or <laughs> nervous, but it's really good to be here. Just Thanks. be honored. Be honored. That sounds Thanks. better. I love what you've done. I love what you've done with the place. Yeah, yeah. No one else can see it, but we're, we're in this amazing room that Elijah and his crew uh, put together. Um, Brian shared um, before we started that he made sure he was nicely shaved. Mm-hmm. And so you can't see that, but he's looking really sharp. Got my black tuxedo on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Excited to be here. He is ready to go. <laughs> so, Brian, let's let's jump into it. Yeah. You know, some questions here, just so people can get to know you. We're going to be spending two episodes with you, um, but in this first episode, I just really want to look at sort of your coming to Christ, your spiritual journey. As we get into the second episode, we'll we'll talk a little more about your mission as far as as family life pastor here at Crosswinds. But to get us started. Um, how did you get connected to Crosswinds? How did you end up at this church? Yeah, uh, my story is quite unique from possibly others, but I've actually been here for as long as I can remember. Well, not really. 1998 was the year. That was the magical year. I was about nine years old. My family, uh, we had not really gone to church growing up, uh, per se. My dad uh, grew up at kind of like a small Methodist church, and my mom had been unchurched. But they felt at some point when their kids were you know, getting close to those teenage years that it would be important for them and the family to be a part of some kind of faith community. And so this goes back before Google, which is crazy, but we couldn't Google any type of churches or anything like that in the area. But we had just moved to Canandaigua. I was in third grade, and uh, I don't know how they heard about Crosswinds, but that was the first church that my family ever attended together was Crosswinds. And it was a Saturday night service. I remember coming and sitting down. I had no idea what was happening. And in fact, this is kind of just a funny kind of trail here, but The woman uh, who was praying, uh, she prayed that the Holy Spirit would reveal himself to us. And as nine years old, I remember opening one eye and I was looking all around. You were looking to see the Holy Spirit reveal himself. Holy Spirit, Uh, but he didn't show. And uh, but so my family, yeah, unchurched. But then at nine, like my mom, I just remember my mom loved it. She did not know that's what church could be like. It was similar to how Crossroads is now. Little more contemporary, you know, the music was loud. There was drummer and, uh, you know, keyboard, bassist, all that. Uh, my dad, who came from maybe a more traditional church, was not super big fan of it and wanted to try something else. But uh, us kids were like, you know, I think we would love to go back again. And that was kind of just our first introduction to how we became a part of Crossman's. And then from that, I uh, got involved in the youth ministry here as a middle school student. And that's when, like, uh, I just began to fall in love with this place. And so this community to me has. Yes, I've worked here for 11 years, but the roots go back so much further than that. And just the significance of Crosswinds is just life-changing for me. So I would, I've said this before, but I would not be the man I am today if it wasn't for the people here at Crosswinds and what God has done here in my life. So who was, um, who was the student pastor at the time? 
uh, a fellow named John Stevens. Yeah, no, I, I just have to know. Some people will know this from Crosswinds, yeah. but many will not. Uh, so I know you're going to talk a little bit about how instrumental he is, I'm sure, in your yeah. spiritual development. Mm-hmm. But he's also really important to you in another way. Yeah, so <laughs> it was because of John uh, that I met my wife, Becca. Uh, Becca is John's sister-in-law. And so, uh, yeah, I married John's sister-in-law, and now John is my brother-in-law. So my youth pastor from when I was a middle school student is now my brother-in-law. And you and owe him a lot. I owe him a lot, yeah. <laughs> yeah he's currently at my house. He's visiting me. Oh, see, no, that's great. <laughs> yeah, so it's been great. That's great. So when you get back, just remember, say, Craig wanted me to tell you, Brian, <laughs> yeah. you owe him a lot. I owe him more than I could ever be. That's right. That's yeah. right. That's right. So, so share a little bit. So you're, you came to Crosswinds. You know, you said you came when you're nine years old. Yep. Um, but talk a little bit about your coming and receiving Christ as, as Lord and Savior of your life. How, how did that happen? From from an individual who's opening his eyes and trying to see the Spirit reveal himself. Mm-hmm. And isn't that not a reminder for us uh, about how we pray with people who don't understand those things, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but from an individual nine years old who's doing that to all of a sudden really coming into this relationship with the Lord, how did that happen? So, yeah, you mentioned John, and, and I will definitely talk more about him. But I, I do believe it was... Obviously, from the weekend experience services, those were really meaningful to my family. And uh, but it was really the student ministry, the youth group at the time, that was instrumental in my faith development and growth. Because what I appreciate about Crosswinds then, and what has continued to be the trend up through your leadership into today, is that we really do try to focus on each phase of life. And so, when I was a student in middle school, I was being taught things of faith that a middle schooler could understand. And so, I began to learn concepts of. And the, the Trinity, you know, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and a personal relationship with Jesus. And all of a sudden, I began to ask these questions as a seventh grader, I remember, of, you know, how did all of this get created? You know, I'm being taught one thing in school, evolution, um, but that just doesn't add up with what we know about science, that, you know, nothing can come from nothing. It has to come from something. And so I began to ask those questions, and it was in a safe place here at Crossman's. I had amazing uh, leaders around me, like I remember uh, Ed and Mike and just these small group leaders. My parents were learning a lot, and so we began talking about faith more at home. And uh, I remember it was an altar call moment in seventh grade on a student ministry night. John was uh, playing uh, guitar and just said, if you're feeling you know, the Lord pulling on your heart right now, you know that could be him calling you into a saving relationship. And I remember walking up, getting on my knees, and that was like the first known yes to Jesus that I've ever made in seventh grade. It would be a a struggle throughout my middle school and high school years to really develop into like a followership with Jesus, if that makes sense. But it was in seventh grade that that was when I would say like, that's when I became a believer, that I understood that Jesus had a way for me to live. It's the right way. It's different than my way. And that's the way I need to follow. You talk about, you know, the fact that you, you've come to Christ, and, and that was a legitimate decision. I mean, you're, you're a believer. Mm-hmm. Um, God has done that work in your life. You're, you're now what some would say saved, right? Um, but now you're growing in Christ. We would call it sanctification, you know, becoming like Jesus and his character, love, purpose, and priorities. And you're learning, I'm guessing, spiritual disciplines or spiritual exercises, some may call them, studying the Bible, what's yeah. prayer, and these type of things. What is your, what does your spiritual journey look like? You know, I'm I'm guessing, you know, it wasn't like someone spoke to you once and you got it all. No. Um, but but so what, what did it look like for you to grow as a believer? Yeah, so that decision was made in seventh grade. And I, you know, was like, okay, I'm, I'm a believer now. You know, I just, I said the prayer kind of a deal. But I had heard and learned that a relationship with Jesus was personal. And so any relationship that's been personal to me up until that point, you know, there was communication that happened. And so 
that's when I really began to get interested in wanting to hear from God and to talk to God. So I began my prayer life in seventh grade, you know, and they were very basic. You know, I didn't really know how to pray, but uh, just through listening to people at Crossman's and even at home, like at dinner time, we started praying, stuff like that. Uh, but then Bible reading or, you know, studying the scriptures began to become really important to me in middle school. And kind of funny is, uh, you know, just one of those things that we have to be really attentive to. We tell people to engage with God's word and get into it. Well, at that time, I didn't know any better. My parents got, gave me a Bible. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to hear from God in his word and study. So I started in Genesis. And as a seventh grader, it was awesome because it's creation, there's murder, there's a flood, <laughs> and then it ends. And then we're in Exodus and there's plagues and there's a Red Sea that parts and there's pillars of fire and all of that. And it's awesome. And then I got into Leviticus and I was so lost and frustrated and confused because I'd heard these people talk about how wonderful reading God's word is. And I just was lost in sure. in the messiness of Leviticus, you know. And well, it's I, sort I would, of funny you say that. that. <laughs> sort of funny you say that because my my experience was similar. Yeah. And that the first book I read was Job. Oh. Wow. And I picked it because someone said it was called Job, but it was spelled Job. Yeah. And I thought, well, I'm going to check that book out. And I tell people if I you can Job. start with Job, yeah. uh, and continue on, then you can read any book. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so I get it. I get it. Yeah. And so so I, my Bible reading took a pause. Uh, but then just thankfully, you know, just through the intervention of John and others in my life, uh, you know, they just really began to, uh, I would say, disciple me. And they may not even have known that they were doing it. But I think we can't underestimate just the value of our time to other people and just the value of having a conversation or asking that question of like, hey, I'm not understanding what I'm reading. And for them to say, hey, I think you should take a pause and actually jump to the New Testament because the Bible is made up of 66 individual books written to 66 unique audiences with different contexts. And so you can actually jump around. And so that was the first time I'd ever heard that. You know, it didn't have to be read from front to back. And so, yeah, jumping in uh, to the Gospels was really good. And then, uh, you know, I think it was under John that he he talked about his Bible as being his old friend. And just all the the tape and the, uh, the highlighting and the uh, note writing. And I remember one time he said that, you know, like he, he really gave a lot of um, kind of justification for how important the Bible was, you know, this reverence to it. But he did say, you know, he believed it was okay to write in it, you know, questions and notes. So I had this little Bible from when I was in middle school with all these questions I had and it you know, happened in high school. So every night I would just open my Bible, read, write down questions, and I would take those to church with me or try to ask my parents, you know, and just try to hunt down some answers. Again, this is before Google, and I, I actually would never uh, advise people to go to Google as a theologian. <laughs> go to people that are, are trusted. You know, it's just the. You mean if it's thing. on the internet, it's not always true? It's not always true. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that, that's kind of just kind of my journey of spiritual disciplines and, um, you know, praying. I uh, began tithing in, in high school when I got a job. I thought that was really important. That was uh, instructed to me as important and it was the right thing to do. And uh, missions trips, mission experiences throughout high school and stuff like that. Just all these little moments that you don't think about at the time make a difference. They matter like the week to week, but they just keep compounding and multiplying. And then you take a look back and it's like, oh my gosh, like I'm not the person I used to be because of all these little things that have happened. And yeah, so like transformation in Jesus, it's a real thing because it happened in my life. Have you ever had a time in your life where, you know, where you questioned the decision you made for Jesus or um, maybe went through... Um, I don't know, maybe a rough patch in, in your spiritual walk uh, that you would say, you know, and what brought you back if you did? Maybe you didn't, but if you did, you know, what's that look like? Yes. <laughs> junior high, uh, my junior year of high school, and the reason was girls. Uh, yeah, just I really struggled in high school with relationships. And again, there's like following Jesus means you follow him. And we 
we say like Jesus is our savior, he's your king. And so as king, like he has the authority to rule over you and you follow that. But in high school, I really wanted to kind of be my own king and to go where I wanted to go. And so I actually remember probably about an eight month stretch where I actually stopped coming to youth group my junior year of high school, my 11th grade. So I was really committed to the track team and I was in like seven serious relationships in that year, you know, doing all the great things that Brian wanted to do. Uh, but yeah, and I and, and I, I I noticed a difference in who I was. Um, I began listening, and this might sound like super old school or whatever, but I began listening to like different music, and it really began to shape just how I was picture, you know, viewing women and viewing other things. And um, yeah, just it wasn't me, and it wasn't I wasn't comfortable with it, and I didn't like it. And so you begin to go back on like, well, what was life like when you were really tight with Christ? And I wanted that again. And so I jumped back uh, kind of into, into youth group and stuff. And then I would say my early college years, I really struggled too. But then there's this, this kind of definitive moment, my uh, end of my sophomore year in college, where I had a kind of a calling into ministry. And I know I'll probably get there at some point. But uh, that was where I really began to like, okay, this is about followership. I need to follow. And it's his will over my will. And of course, we always still struggle with that. But yeah, so I, I did have a period where I kind of walked away a little bit, um, but needed to come back. Wow. Uh, yeah, I think any individual who's honest about their spiritual journey has had something like that or, or a number of somethings like that where we find ourselves um, getting off track. Uh, and then, you know, the call for the you know, following in the spirit steps. Right. Yeah. Um, and we're not following those steps anymore. And uh, thankful that God loves us enough to continue to woo us back to him and sure. use people and other things to, to do that. Yeah, and, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's our responsibility, right? God's always speaking. It's our responsibility to listen. Um, you know, if you're looking at your life, you know, just sort of your, your journey with God, what is, what is one time you'd say, man, being a believer made all, I mean, you probably have tons of stories like this, but if you could just pick one, you know, what would you say would be one of those stories where you'd say being a believer made a difference? Like in my life, if I weren't a believer, I would have went this direction instead of that direction, or I would have done this thing instead of that thing. Boy, um, I immediately, when you're talking or asking that question, I immediately just began to think about my relationship with my wife, Becca, and how I'm a dad to my son, Charlie. Uh, I was a, I'm like a, I'm a fairly clever person, but I was also very manipulative in high school in my early, my early college years. And I was able to kind of manipulate people to what I wanted to get. And so I was super selfish. And uh, by the time I married Becca, I was, you know, definitely much more, you know, I, I would call like that time that I, I mentioned where I had a calling in the ministry, like that was a very, like a, re, I'll call it like a recommittal time where I was like, this is a decision that's going to change my life. And I'm, it's like all or nothing, Jesus or nothing type deal. And so by the time I married Becca, I was in that spot where like I was, I'm focused on Jesus. And so just how I interact with Becca on a daily basis, like I'm, I'm much more selfless because of Christ, because he's taught me to be that way. When you strive to be like him, who was perfect, you know, you operate a little more perfectly. I'm never perfect, you know, not not yet. Uh, but so, yeah, and then just how I interact with Charlie and, and my son, for those that don't know, he's almost four. So he's in that prime time of toddlership where uh, he just knows how to push your buttons. And I'm like, there's some times where I'm, I'm like, I'm going to snap, but I don't. And I'm like, God, that's your, like your grace and intervention in my life. And I just, I know I'm different. Second Corinthians 5.17, we are new creations in Christ. You know, the old is gone, the new is here. And I, I just can't help but just be so 
blessed about that, that I'm a new creation and I couldn't imagine the father that I would be or the husband that I would be without Jesus. It would be bad. It'd be really bad. So It's interesting because you um, enter into people's lives at different chapters, right? And so I, uh, I've entered into your life, so to speak, uh, later on, right? You, you've, you've come to Christ, you, you're, you're growing. And, um, you know, I, don't, I see you as one of the most selfless people uh, I know. And, uh, and so it's interesting to be able to hear that and, and mm-hmm. be able to say, man, I see the transformed Brian who's continually being transformed, right? And yeah. I see your interaction with your wife and, and uh, certainly with Charlie. And from my observation, I'm not trying to be a creeper, uh, <laughs> but from my observation, you know. Uh, How far are you observing? Yeah, that's right. That's right. It, you know, just a great model. Uh, for people to look at. And, and I love what you say. I mean, we're not perfect, but we're being perfected. And, yeah. you know, the, the great thing with God is, is when we do drop the ball, when we do, when we do sin, um, that he's quick to forgive and to tell us, let's move on, right? Yeah. I think as believers, we find ourselves often wanting to sort of stay and, and sort of camp there for much longer than God does. God's like, no, we, you've said, let's, let's move on. Let's, you're a husband, you're a father, you're a pastor, you're a friend. Let's do this thing. Yeah, I do just want to clarify. There have been moments where I have snapped at Charlie, if you will. But you're afraid he's going to listen to this since teen years and go, Dad, I yeah, know you what did. a liar. Yeah. Um, but then there's these sweet moments where you ask a four-year-old for forgiveness. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that was just something that even my, my parents modeled was like they owned when they messed up. And I think like that for me is that wouldn't have happened without Jesus. And so, yeah, like like you said, like we're, we're – you know, we're being perfected. I'm not there yet. And so when I mess up, there's this really cool thing that you can do um, where you can do a little bit of discipleship with your son or your wife and you can, you know, ask for forgiveness. And it's a great model. Yeah, Yeah, it's a great model. We're, we're, we're the forgiven people who want to model what it means to be forgiven and, and forgive others. Well, let me ask you sort of another question, sort of turning, turning down a different uh, road here, I guess. Um, If you could have a spiritual conversation with anyone, living or dead, other than Jesus, right? Because that's always the, the Christian answer. So you can't pick Jesus. But if you could have a conversation with anybody either living or dead, um, who would you chat with and why? It was you, Craig, and we're having it right now. Oh, wow, see? Oh, wow. <laughs> no, I... God answers I, prayer. <laughs> you know, uh, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about this, and I was thinking C.S. Lewis. I think his story, I just love how two things. Uh, he was like... He rejected Christianity very vocally and throughout, up through his, his 20s. Um, and then all of a sudden, he can, has this conversion. And James 1.5 says, you know, you know, he will give you wisdom if you ask for it. And he just becomes one of the wisest people of, of the previous century, I believe. You know? And what I love about him, too, is, and I think every believer can learn from him, is he used what he was good at, which was writing. And he took his conversion, he took his gifts, and then he did something with it. And he has influence. I mean, you probably couldn't put a number on it, but millions and millions and millions of people. He lived through World War II, and a lot of people are familiar with his Mere Christianity, which I believe was originally a four-part radio broadcast in Britain during World War II in 1940 that he kind of spoke hope and, uh, you know, over Great Britain. So I, I just think that guy has, he lived through a lot. His story is unique. And J.R.R. Tolkien was his friend and responsible for kind of his conversion story a little bit there. But yeah, I just, I really personally benefited from books of his like screw tape letters, especially in high school. That was a really influential book of just how the enemy of God really is active in trying to trip up anybody who's pursuing Jesus. And he does it in such a fun, creative way. And of course, the Chronicles of Narnia, I'm excited to read those to Charlie and all that. 
But yeah, I think C.S. Lewis would be a really fun person to have a conversation with. I think he's got a lot to say. Yeah, there's something about an author that can transcend time. Yeah. You know, and, and I don't know if all of his books have, but certainly those key books you mentioned, no matter when you read them, uh, they're going to make an impact and they're going to sure. be approachable and they're going to be understandable. And so I agree. One of the, one of the great Christian thinkers um, that I hope that every believer at least is exposed to a little bit. Yeah. Um, and Amir yeah. Christianity has been a book that, pe- that God has used uh, tremendously uh, to change people's lives. Well, you know, we're sort of winding down a little bit of this first episode. Uh, great to, to get to know you a little bit, but um, a little more. Uh, I should say I know you more than a, than a podcast, <laughs> no, but for those who are listening, I yeah. get to know you a little bit. But if you were going to say, you know, as we sort of, this chapter of this episode really was getting to know your spiritual development. Yeah. And so what last words or advice would you give to the listeners? You know, some of them out there are from Crosswind. Some of them are not. Some of them are believers. Some of them are not. And uh, if you were going to give a word of advice to this sort of diverse group of people, uh, what would it be? I would say, just based off my own experience and what I understand about discipleship and just my journey and everything, it's just that our community, our country, and our world, it doesn't necessarily need another political party or another movement or a fad or a new social platform. Our community, our country, and our world desperately needs the intervention of Jesus Christ in its citizens' hearts. And so my advice would be this, and it's, it is quite specific to believers who are listening, but the world is watching and they're listening to you. Not like in a big brother sense, although you could make that argument in some extent, I believe, but uh, the world is watching and listening to you as believers. Um, one of the reasons I was so attracted to Jesus is because of his promises of new life, like I mentioned in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Um, so the new creation believers who are out there, uh, the world desperately needs Jesus. Your neighbor's watching you. Your spouse is listening to you. Your friends, your classmates, your teachers, your boyfriend, your girlfriends are all watching. Your kids are listening. And so if you made a decision to follow Jesus, my advice would be to follow him. I'm constantly convicted of this, but if I've claimed to follow the Lord as my Savior, as my all, then that decision to do it needs to be just that. I need to do that. I need to follow him today, tomorrow, the days to come, because our world needs to be attracted to their Savior. And that was modeled to me through John and through others. I was so attracted to these changed lives and how they interacted with their spouse and kids and neighbors and all that. And so, yeah, that'd be my, I guess that'd be my advice is, If you've claimed to follow Jesus, the world needs you to follow him today. Ask for forgiveness, restart, recommit, whatever you have to do. But, yeah, step up to your king and follow him. You know, uh, as we've been talking, I just want to circle back to that. There's a popular segment right now, circle back. Circle back to that statement that you said, um, follow him, because you've you've repeated that over and over again. Do you remember the first time that that you really sort of got that? I mean, or, or... you know, a moment where you said, man, this, this is really where that became a major part of your journey. I mean, it should be a part of all of our journey in Christ, but where you said for you, because it seems to be a very important part of who you are. And I've, I've seen that. You model that. So, yeah, it is a it is important. And I don't know exactly where I picked it up, but I think it just has been through spiritual mentors uh, in my life. But I, I would say uh, and this story is long, but I'll, I'll say it in just a couple of seconds is I was halfway through my college career. I was pursuing mechanical engineering. I was going into my junior year of college, uh, really excited about it, uh, planning on making boatloads of money and doing whatever I wanted. And then I was on a missions trip and I had this, what I would say, it wasn't an audible because no one else heard it. But for me, I heard clearly from the Lord. uh, I was with a bunch of teenagers on a missions trip that I would be doing this with my life. I'd be doing ministry with my life. And so I remember uh, that would cost me a lot. 
that would mean leaving engineering and doing something completely different. Um, but I couldn't shake that call. And so it was uh, months and months of processing and praying and asking spiritual mentors, you know, what do I do with this, um, where I received uh, uh, kind of a, a scholarship notification from a, a bigger engineering college in the area. And I, my family was around the table and they're all cheering and excited. And I remember putting it back in the envelope and saying, I'm not going. I'm transferring to Indiana Wesleyan University. I'm pursuing youth ministry. And I think God needs me now. So that was kind of that moment where I think that was the most followership ever cost me was just a whole change of direction. So. Wow. That, well, that's a great place to end this episode because as we go into the next episode and continue with you, you'll talk a little bit more about your calling and, and what you're doing now. But but for now, thank you so much for opening up your life to us on this podcast. Thanks for having me. Well, it was great having you here um, and great to be able to do the next uh, episode with you. In fact, I want to invite everyone back to to be a part of episode number three, uh, the second episode with uh, with Brian as we look at um, his role of, as family life pastor, what led him into that, what sort of his heart is in the midst of those things. Uh, certainly, as we heard his story, you can see how the, how that will be a part of what he shares with us, I'm sure, uh, the fact of how God reached his family and how that made a difference in his walk with you. Um, but I want to invite you to, to come back and uh, join us next week as we continue on with our conversation with Brian. Uh, and, and until uh, we gather together again, I just want to encourage you to be blessed and uh, continue to bless others.